Praise God, dear brothers and dear sisters. Today I want to I wanna talk about a new heart, and specifically uh, in the context of Christians receiving a new heart. What does that mean? What does it look like? Um, I, I, I shared this before sometime, but I, I remember um, listening, to, um, listening to a conversation, and uh, the, the conversation somehow got really heated really fast, and one person said something that wasn't nice to another person, and they, like very mean, you know what I mean? You're like, and everyone in that room was like, whoa, what just happened, you know what I mean? And this person who said that was like, said this thing, said, oh, I'm sorry, that slipped out, right? And you guys probably heard that, right? That slipped out, or I didn't, you know, and I remember either there or like a short time after I was thinking about it, and I'm like, wait, wait, those words mean more than, than," because it's almost like an apology. It slipped out, almost sounds like an apology, but if you think about it, just think about it. It slipped out means that, number one, it was inside. True or not true? So it slipped out meaning like someone was holding something, right? You like, you hold, I don't know, you're holding something in your hand and somehow it slips out. You're trying to make sure it doesn't. You're you're working hard on it. You're, You're focusing. You're like, you're putting your effort into making sure this thing is in your hand, but it it somehow slips out. You know, and, and, and you know what's funny? You know when things happen like that? Usually they'll happen when a person gets distracted or when a person can't continue focusing, when basically a person encounters something or maybe forgets that he is supposed to be holding this. And what happens is that something inside is revealed to everyone on the outside. Do you guys, are you guys getting the picture? So by the word, it slipped out. Um, in my mind, I was like, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, wait, no, that's so bad. Because it sounded like an apology. But, and I've said that too. I've said it many times. I'm not trying to say it, But it was just that time when I was like, well, that, that actually means that that word or that phrase was in that person. Like it was in that person. And the person was trying very hard. It wasn't like doing something on the outside. He looked like a normal person. We looked like normal people. But it, on the inside, this person would control himself. And there would probably be other instances when he felt like saying this thing. And it would have been the perfect thing to say in his mind. But he, he restrained himself, right? He, he held on, right? He, he didn't slip. But came a time and he either got a very mad or... You know, this, this per other person got very distracted that, you know, this is church. We can't talk like this. Or this is a Christian friend. He can't know that I talk like that. And things slip out. Does that make sense? The reason I bring that weird uh, story up, and it's, I, I promise you guys, I've said it slipped out many times. But ever since that time, I've been kind of uh, more, um, more conscious of not to say it. <laughs> Basically, even if you said something that's, that's off, just say, forgive me, I'm sorry, ask God for forgiveness. But don't say it slipped out because it, it says something. And it says something, listen to this, about the heart. It says something about the inside. Remember Jesus, the disciples came to Jesus one day and the Pharisees were bashing them. And they were bashing them for this one reason. They ate, the disciples ate 
food in a way that wasn't clean, that wasn't like kosher. You know, they had all these rituals that they had to do at that time. And the disciples were just like with Jesus, and Jesus was teaching them the spirit of the law. And these disciples would like, they would walk by the grain fields, and they would, it would be Sabbath, which you shouldn't be working on the Sabbath. And they would pull the grains off the, the stalks, and they would, I don't know, either shred them, probably just eat them like seeds or something. And that is considered work. There's, there was other things that they would do. And the Pharisees would look at that and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're doing this wrong. And that, actually, that is, that is actually not the way you're supposed to prepare yourself for food. They had all these rituals. And Jesus said this one thing interesting. He said, what matters is not what comes into your heart, but what comes out. Not what comes into you, I should say. Forgive me, not your heart. I'm thinking about heart. What matters is not what comes into you, but what comes out. Because why? He says the things that come into you, they end up in the sewer. Okay, let's just put it that way. That's all. They, they, they get cleansed. You got acid in your stomach, I assure you. That does the job to clean anything that gets, and stuff can get, um, stuff can get chewed up in your stomach like nothing else. But what, what the real problem is, is, is what is sometimes inside of me, because that, is, 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 that doesn't get cleansed. There's no stomach acid for my heart. There's no stomach acid for my words. There's no stomach acid for the, the feelings, the motives, the desires in me, the thoughts, the things no one else knows, but the things I know. There's really no filter for that, I mean, to clean it. Now, we have filters to not express it, right? Like, we're not, we're not dumb. I'm sorry. But, like, we're not, we're not going to say something that's going to embarrass us. We're not going to say something that we're going to have to, like, beg, you know, the pastors for forgiveness of. And the pastor's like, I don't know. Should we excommunicate him? Or, like, they said this. Like, we're not, we're not, we're smart about it, right? We don't say things when we shouldn't say them. But that's, 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 that's like a, that's a very superficial way, I think, of looking at it. I think the, the way that the Bible calls us to look at the issues of the heart is by looking at the, the root of it. And that is what is in the heart. Meaning, is the thing that is in my heart and in your heart clean or not clean? Because it doesn't matter what comes into my mouth, right? It doesn't matter what comes into me because that is going to be cleansed by my stomach acid and by everything else and end up excreted. But what comes out from me, that speaks volumes about who I am. It speaks volumes about what really lives inside of me, the thoughts. And luckily, or maybe unluckily, I don't know, we're able to control the things that come out of us pretty well. Would you guys agree with me? Or is it just me? Did I, am I the only one that learned how to control uh, my, my, like, I mean, I haven't learned, I haven't mastered it, but you know what I mean? Like, not do, like, dumb things when you're, you're not supposed to do them. But in your mind, you're like, oh, man, like, if, ooh, like, you're just, you're lucky we're in the house of God, or you're, you're lucky I'm a Christian. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. Let, let's talk about the desires to do things. Let's talk about... Uh, the the thoughts. Let's talk about the heart. Uh, there there's um, there's some things that can change. So as humans, we we can learn things. We can learn almost literally anything in life. Go to you go go to a school. The school is basically a system that teaches you how to think a certain way. You know, mathematicians think one way, engineers think one way, you know, people in the medicine think one way, people in, in this, who teach think one way. 
It's a system. They take four or six years to teach you, and you learn how to do this. You even learn how to like it. Really, we can learn a lot of things. And I, I remember one thing that I learned. I, I wouldn't say I learned, but I, I was changed. There was one thing that I couldn't tolerate. I couldn't even look at was shrimps for the longest time, not kidding you. Because, and the problem was, and I, I figured this out later, I never tasted good shrimp. I tasted average shrimp or like, you know, okay shrimp, just, you know, shrimp that, but I never tasted like shrimp well done. And, but I literally couldn't stand them. And there was nothing that was going to like convince me to even put like my lips on them because it's just, they look weird. They got little legs on them. They got like a shell. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's not, it's not like pleasing really to look at if you don't know what it tastes like when it's done right. But there was a time where I couldn't look at it. I couldn't tolerate it. Um, there was nothing that could have convinced me that there was going to come a time in my life where I would learn how to like shrimp or I would like shrimp. I don't know, that someone could make shrimp. And I remember, like, talking, conversation. People were like, dude, you just, like, how, how about some of the, you know, like, you need to try this type of shrimp. And I would try, and I was ah, like, you know, this is the reason I hate shrimp. It's because it tastes like this. It's chewy. It's weird. And then my uncle made shrimp. And when my uncle made shrimp, for the first time in my life, I tasted a shrimp, and I fell in love right there at that table with shrimp, with that dish. Maybe love is a strong word, but I, but I, I realized, I'm like, this is what people meant when they said shrimp was good. There was another time where, um, I mean, literally for the longest time, I, I couldn't look at sushi the same way. I think it's seafood with me. And I promise you, the same thing, I would, like, get repulsed by looking at sushi until someone brought me to a place, and um, I had to pay a lot of money to try a little bit of sushi. And I'm like, this is the biggest waste in my life. This is, like, this is the tiny little piece of sushi, and I hate it. Like, and, but they're like, dude, this, this is it. Like, if you don't like the sushi, then, then you're good. Like, then you've tried it all, and you could hate sushi for the rest of your life. And I, I tried it, and I didn't, I was trying it in the sense, I mean, yeah, they were my friends, so maybe I was, like, trying to, like, like you know, be with them. But at the same time, I was like, this is, this is such a waste of money. And at that table, as I was eating the sushi for the first time, it was, what I, I forget what it was, but it was so good, and it was exactly like people painted it to me when, you know, when they were trying to convince me to eat sushi. And I began to like sushi, literally at that spot. And from now on, I can eat like almost any, like give me bad sushi and I'll eat bad sushi because there's been, some might say, a change of heart, right? Let me talk about like change of heart. Like, you know, you, you didn't like this food, now you like it. You didn't like this sport, now you like it. Well, the issue that the Bible brings us to isn't an issue of liking something or not liking something or, you know, being like trained to like something. It's not like that. Um, the Bible talks about uh, our heart, and who, who knows this verse? It says, the heart is utterly deceitful, or other translations, wicked. It's a pretty scary verse, but that, you know what that tells me? That in, in our hearts, our, our, and when I'm talking about our heart, is our heart before Jesus Christ, so our heart in our sinful nature, right? Our heart that is kind of weird, and we know it's weird, and there's, there's something wrong with it. There's something inherently wrong with it. We can never uh, truly uh, teach our hearts to be good. We can never really train our hearts to 
think correctly, right? And by heart, I mean like, I'm, I'm talking about everything, your conscience, your thoughts, but like your inner self, the, the, the you that nobody else knows, but that you know, that God knows, and that people sometimes get a glimpse of when you're really ticked off, right? That is the person I'm talking about. Or the person that, you know, some people get a glimpse of when you're really tired. It's different for every person. I'm not trying to bash on anyone, I promise you. These are all things I'm talking about, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. That is the person I'm talking about. It's the person on the inside, the person that um, has desires or has wants to do some things, and he might not or she might not say that, I want to go watch that, you know, or I want to go hang out with them, but in your heart, you're like, I, I, would, I would die right now to do that, but I can't because I'm supposed to be a Christian, and Christians don't do these things. I want to I I propose this, that we as believers, we're not brought into Christianity as people that are given like, you know, a bunch of laws and say, now you better hold yourself together like never before. Like you thought, you thought holding yourself together at work or at school was hard. You're going to have to hold yourself together as a Christian much more. I'm talking about not a single cuss word, not a single, forget the cuss word, not a single like I don't even know what the, the wording is, but you know what I mean? The words between the cuss words and, like, the good words, those, like, not even that. And people are like, that's crazy. Like, how can you do that? But, you know, it's like there's a list, and you just got you, you to gotta act by that list. I would want to propose, listen to this, that Christianity calls us not to control our hearts, but to have our hearts changed. Did you guys get that? Not to control our desires, but to allow our desires to be changed 100% from the root up. Because, because there are some things that we can change in life. We can, like I said, we can you know, hate foods and then like the same foods like 10 years later. We can, we can hate certain, um, certain uh, styles of music classical music and then when we're 60 lo and behold what are we listening to classical music what happened is it like are we different no we're just we adapted to things that we surround ourselves by people but there's something about the heart that nothing can change and i want to prove this by the scriptures there's something about the innermost part of a person that nothing can change now you can hold it really really tightly and not and make sure make that heart look like the the true heart of the bible you can you can manipulate yourself and really just you know um, train yourself to do right but to change a heart that needs divine intervention you need something divine something spiritual something uh and i would say you would need literally god to change your heart and i would like to share this with you because I feel like it's, it's hard to live your life and thinking, okay, Christianity, bunch of rules, let's, let's, get, this, let's get this party started. Let's, let's do this, right? Like I got, what, 50 years is going to be boring. It's going to be painful, but I can do this. Why? Because I want to be in heaven. I don't want to be in hell. Basically, like that's, you know what I mean? That's like the argument. The Bible doesn't teach us that. The Bible doesn't say like, okay, you want to go to heaven? Here's what you need to do. That, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there is actually a Savior who died 
for your broken hearts, to give you a new heart so that you could live your life here on earth and in heaven in this perfect unity with him, doing not what your old heart wanted to do, but the things that God wants you to do. You've literally received like a new engine, a new CPU, I don't know, a new, like whatever the core thing you're thinking about, a new heart would be in a person, that is what God is offering to us today. Um, Matthew 5.17 uh, and verse 20. Matthew 5.17 and verse 20. Check this out. Do not presume, this is Jesus speaking, that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For I, in verse 20, for I say to you that unless, just listen to this. I say to you, Jesus says, this is to you, this is to me and to you. I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what that verse just has done to, to our, um, our plan of controlling ourselves enough for the next 50 years and somehow making it into heaven? That verse just destroys that kind of thinking right away. Because that verse says there's scribes and there's Pharisees who tithe. They don't tithe just 10%. They tithe like everything, like the plant. Do you tithe your plants? You know what I mean? Like do you tithe the, the, the things that you have in your house? We don't do that. No one does that. They did that. Do we fast twice a week? We don't do that. Pharisees did that. It's all, this, I'm all talking about things that are in the Bible. Pharisees fasted twice a week. Pharisees tithe from everything, starting from money to plants. To food. So the, the level of righteousness, right? Whatever in our mind righteousness looks like, the level of self-control, the level of benevolence, the Pharisees had the, the highest level, humanly speaking. You, I, I, would, I would say that you would not be able to beat the Pharisees in this, this level of righteousness um, when you're just speaking about human efforts. But, but God says, I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not make it to heaven. Now, please explain to me how, how is that even possible? Like, God is saying you have to have a level of righteousness that is higher then what the Pharisees have, the guys who fast twice a week, who tithe everything, who pray every day, like three times a day, go to church three, four, five times a week, who are literally like the epiph... The, the, I would say, I, I'm not going to say that, but they, they were, as much as you can humanly do, they did. And Jesus acknowledged that. But he says, you need to do more. And my question is, what is the Bible calling us to do? to fast more, so do we bump it up to three, three times a week? We, we could probably make it to three times a week. I would say maybe, you know, kind of reasonable. Not, re like, not, I'm not talking reasonable, but like, you know, possible, humanly possible. Do we tithe what, like 20% of our income? What, what is he talking about here? Well, no, he's, he's actually referring to the heart. Because if we're not going to read for the sake of time, but when we talk about Pharisees and Jesus talking with Pharisees, he always spoke to them about the heart. And listen to this. He speaks about anger. 
We're going to go right down in this chapter, uh, verse 21. Same chapter, verse 21. Murder stems from a deeper problem of hate. Listen to this. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. All right, pretty simple. Don't kill. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. Can we get verse 22 now? This, this is the, this, this level up of righteousness. Listen to this. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother, come on, like this is too hard. Like angry, I'm not saying like my brothers, I'm just like we're never angry with our brothers. We're always like loving and, and hugging each other. But, you know, there's, there might be families out there that have, you know, sibling issues. Shall be guilty uh, before the court. Uh, you guys sense a little bit of sarcasm in there. And whoever says his, to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into fiery hell. Like, what are we talking about here? Anger? Saying, you fool, and you're already ready to go to hell? I mean, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, what Jesus says here is the law in the Bible... The law that was supposed to control people and the law that people use when they need to control themselves is don't kill. That's about as much as you can do uh, to your fellow brother when you're like, you could be like, how can the law say don't be angry with your brother? That's impossible. You're like, you're trying to control emotions. That's impossible. So God knew that and God said, okay, let's do this. Just don't kill people, okay? Don't kill other people because it's wrong, right? And I think we all agree it's wrong. But the, the, the spirit of the law, the root of the law, the thing that God was trying to say through Moses in the Old Testament when he gave that law, don't kill, was don't be angry with your brother. And that's why we read before, Jesus says, I came to, not to break the law, I came to fulfill the law, to show you how the law really operates, to teach you the heart of God behind the law that God gave you. This was the heart of God with that law. So the law, don't kill, the heart of God. Whoever says, whoever is angry uh, with his brother is guilty before the court. Meaning that just following some, there's no rule or law that you could put there to say, just follow that and you'll be good. You'll never be angry again. You could do that about killing. You could say, hey, just don't kill. And people just got to walk around and sometimes they really want to kill someone, but they're like, I'm, dude, you know, I'm, you're, you're lucky I'm a Christian because I would have... I would have choked you out. You know what I mean? Like you, would have been, you would have been dead. But this is way beyond that. This is at the level of, of the heart. By the way, I'm joking. You know what I mean when we say, like, dude, I'm, like, I'm this close to killing you. Like, that kind of joking. I, I don't mean that any of us really have an issue with. I don't think we, you know, struggle with, at least with that. But we'll get to things that we do struggle with. Just hold on one second. So the, 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 the root of the law, the root of the heart of God, the, the, the heart of God was this. Don't be angry. Don't, don't speak words that might hurt your brother or your sister or your friends. And now that is impossible to do by following some kind of laws. You know what is needed here? Heart transplant. You need a heart transplant here. You need... Your heart, the heart that is always just filled with, not always, but sometimes when it really, you know, someone really pushes you, is filled with like worry and fear and anger. To have that heart changed into a heart that only God can give. And that is a heart of this, not being angry with your brother. It is possible as a believer to live like this. Um, 
Let's, let's go a little bit further. Let's, let's listen to Jesus talking about lust. Listen to this. Jesus says the, that the law against adultery, it actually stems from a deeper problem of lust. And in the Old Testament, in verse 27, we read, you have, uh, the same chapter, verse 27, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Have you guys heard that, that one before? Don't commit adultery. Again, very possible to do, not only to Christians, but to unbelievers. If you wanted to, if you tried, if you put your, you know, a goal, I'm not going to have sex before marriage, it's possible. It's possible, even to unbelievers. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And you're, again, again you're, you're thinking, whoa, Jesus is just taking, these steps are too big. You know, committing adultery and lusting are two different things, right? At least in the world, uh, the, the, the eyes of the world, they are. Because one commits, one is an action and the other one is inside. It's a, it's a thought. No one really knows what I'm thinking or what you're thinking. No one can filter us. They haven't invented some kind of technology to read our thoughts. Probably, thankfully. Like that would be, I mean, I, I think some people are working on it. But there's, there's, there's a big difference between committing adultery, having sex outside of marriage, and lusting. Because, as I said, action, thoughts. Jesus doesn't go after the actions. He goes after the thoughts. You know why? Because if you can fix your thoughts, if you could fix the root of the problem, if you could fix the heart, the other issues become non-issues. And so a person who is not lusting, it's, it's a pretty logical statement, will probably not commit adultery. <laughs> you know, you guys, you guys see that? It's, a, it's pretty, it's not too complicated. But if you don't lust, you probably won't commit adultery. Now, now though, if you can commit, you can live your life and not have sex outside of marriage without, you know, having a changed heart. But you know what that would take? That would take a lot of holding. Now, what I'm saying here is I'm not saying that once we become Christians, we're totally free. Do what you, do what you will. No. And I'll mention a little bit. I, I do talk about the heart today, but I'll mention a little bit about the flesh. Once you are a born-again believer, you still got a whole bunch of flesh that you're going to and I'm going to deal with until Christ returns or until we die. So that aspect I'm not talking about. But the change of heart, the desire to be right before God, the goal to say, God, I'm going to keep my life pure for your namesake. Okay, I'm going to do it so that my family might be blessed. I'm going to do it so that our relationships would be blessed. That doesn't come from those thoughts, those inner prayers, those inner desires. Don't come from you manipulating your, your thoughts, from you controlling yourself. That's not what it comes from. That comes from a changed heart. And that is what Christ was about. That is what he is saying here. That what, what he's like, you go, go remember the Ten Commandments. Look at the list. Looks, they look so, so sharp and so, so like just to the point and just so, some of them so like difficult. Some of them are easier, but they're just so edgy and black and white. But God's like, the reason I gave you that is because there was going to come a time when you were going to get a new heart, but that was not the time when the Ten Commandments were given. The Ten Commandments were given, first of all, to show people that really you can't do anything about your heart. You need a Savior. That was, is why Jesus came, to save us from our sinful hearts. 
But the Ten Commandments are a perfect example of God's heart being poured out to us in a very practical, ten-step way. Like, this is what I want you to do. Behind all that, we see Jesus speaking these things. And listen to this. So lust, adultery. Here's another one. Swearing. If we could go to verse 33. And then verse 34. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. All right? So in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible calls us, don't make false vows. So don't swear on anything that isn't, you shouldn't swear on. But basically, you can swear. Just make sure to, after you swear, to do whatever you, you swear to do. In verse 34, I say to you, make no oath at all. Make no oath at all. So don't swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of God. And we're not going to read that, but the idea. Do you guys get the idea? One is a commandment that is very uh, black and white, and it's, it's, um, it's on the surface level, right? The root of that commandment is for people to realize we probably shouldn't swear. Right? As people live their lives, gain wisdom, and they swore once, and man, it was horrible to fulfill that oath that they did because literally, like, all hell broke loose for them not to do it. And they had to sacrifice so much. They had to, and they're like, I'm not doing that again. But, you know, 10 years later, something happens. They make this, they make an oath again. And again, they're like, they're just, you know, they're going through the worst time of their life. There's stories, a bunch of stories like that in the Bible. People making oaths and then having to dedicate their daughters or, you know, some translations say sacrifice their daughters to the Lord. Pretty tough stuff. And God's like, I gave you this law, but, but this is really my desire that you guys don't swear at all. Because really there's very little that you can control. All, all of the earth is in the hands of God. And when you acknowledge that, when you realize that, when you fully dedicate yourself to God, understand your position before God, then you won't really have the issue of like controlling yourself not to swear. You won't swear because something's changed in you. And you're like, no, God, you, you have everything in your hands. What I can do is I can pray before you. I can ask for your mercy. I can ask for your will, for your grace. But I'm not going to say, I, I, I will do this, or if I don't do this, then may this happen to me. I'm not going to do that. And, and so we hear, we hear the, the heart of God, and the heart of God is this, that we believers receive new hearts. Because literally, life without a new heart is so incredibly boring. It's difficult, and I don't think it was meant to be lived like this. I know, I'm just thinking back to the time before, by God's grace, um, Christ was revealed to me. That is not the life that I would want to live for a single second. I'm talking about the impulses, the desires. Knowing that what you're doing or what you're thinking or what you're wanting to do is wrong, but having no control over that. That's horrible. That's horrible. And God proposes this. Don't fight with your desires. Come to God, confess your inability to fight with your desires, and ask for a new heart. Come to God, repent of your old heart, and receive the new life, and I would say the new heart that Christ is giving to you. 
This is something that, that I said, not learned. No one can sucker you into doing this. Say, like, taste this sushi, you're going to love it. And that sushi is really, like, you know, there's just this right way of controlling yourself. There will never be a time where you will have to, um, let me put it this way. Once you, once you will do, I just want to be honest with you. Once you do give your heart to God, once you do give your impulses to God, your, your uh, worries to God, your uh, desires to God, the ones that you know are wrong and the ones that you might not even know are wrong, God will give you a new heart. He will, he will change you, and this is the most important thing. This is what Christianity offers alone, from the inside out. He will change the inside, and then your outside will be different. doesn't mean that you will never get angry again. It doesn't mean that you will never uh, be frustrated again. It doesn't mean that you'll never, never going to have a, a thought that is not from God again. By far, that is not what I'm saying here. But what I'm saying here, the trajectory of your heart will be changed. Fully changed. And you will begin to live your life not according to the rules of your parents or of your church or just cause. And you will begin to live your life according to the rules of God, even without, maybe if you're a young believer, without ever reading the Bible fully. But God putting in the heart of, of God in you, and as you continue to read the Bible and study it, he will give you desires that are different, give you wantings that are new, give you love and peace, the things that this world has on a superficial level, but the things that only God can give in their true form. Those things belong to Christians, to the bride of Jesus Christ, to the children of God, to you sisters and to you brothers. Those are our things. Those are the things that God offers us. But what we need to do is, first of all, confess before God. And it's not, I, I, confess is like a word that turns everyone off. You hear confess and you're like, come on. But yeah, it is confession. But really what it is, if I can define it, is coming to God and acknowledging that my heart, there's something wrong with it. There are sins in me. There are desires in me that are not okay. I know it, but I still want to do them. Help me. And that's when the heart of God comes in. That's when God, by his hand, I can't explain it, but he just changes people. Some people it's over, you know, a couple of years. Some people it's instantaneously. But he changes people and they become new people. New creatures, the Bible calls them, in Christ Jesus. You guys have heard of that? That verse? That now you are new creatures in Christ Jesus. What does that new mean? Well, that means it's like a totally new being. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a whole new creature we could translate it as animal but it's not even animal it's like a whole new being it's like a new andre you know what i mean like a different andre like like the old andre and the new andre nothing alike like and 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 that's the that's the thing that's beautiful about god that's the thing that's beautiful about his power is he is he is willing to give this to us and he is willing to help us throughout our life as we battle our flesh to become more and more like him, to the point that you look at some examples, sisters, brothers, uh, you know, our elderly brothers and our elderly sisters, and you hear stories about them, and you're like, that's a lie. Could have never happened in his life. I, I know this person too well. Never in a million years. There's just no way. And you, you, you might ask this person, and they're like, yeah, before I knew Christ, that was exactly me. It's like they're, it's not even that the person changed. It's like their character changed. It's the way that they 
I don't, you know what I mean? Like a person who was like always like assertive and just like just doing stuff becomes into this most meek and humble person. And you're like, well, that's not even like a heart change. That's like a everything change. Like everything changed about the person. Not even the words he says, but the way he says those words. Not even the actions he does, but the way he does those good actions. Like he's a new creature in Christ Jesus. That is what's offered to us. And that's why today in this prayer, let's stand and let's ask God for this. First of all, if you do not have this new heart and I believe Holy Spirit will convict you of that. Ask God for a new heart today. Because he's willing to give it. It's free. It was free yesterday. It's free today. It's free tomorrow. Free for you, but not free for Jesus Christ. He died so that you might have that, that beautiful, God-like heart. Ask him and he will give it to you. Because that's what the Bible says. Ask, and you know what's going to happen? You will receive. And to those of us who have received that new heart, let's pray to God that we... Uh, continue to battle afresh with that new heart and be victorious. Let's pray.